Hey, Bookworms Pod. Uh, Kristen here. I know you guys haven't heard from me in a while, or us in a while, since I'm in Denmark and it feels like the sky is falling on my head. Um, but I promise I'm almost home. Um, but this week we are dropping an episode with everybody's favorite Twitter friend, Holly. Um, that's at HollyE83 on Twitter, as some of you may know her. Um, but she went on with Kate and Chris, uh, a little bit last week, I think, and, um, they had, uh, a great discussion, um, about fan works and all of the things surrounding that. Um, so that ended up being longer than anticipated, um, unsurprisingly, lots of stuff to talk about. Um, so I went ahead and broke it up into two episodes. Um, so this is part one. This is going to drop this week. And then next week, um, the other half of, uh, Holly's conversation with Kate and Chris, um, will drop. And, uh, then we will be back on our normal schedule because I will be back on the North American continent where I can record things and also uh, talk to people at normal times. Unlike right now, it's 1.30 p.m. I'm drinking coffee. It's very early wherever you are when I'm recording this, but um, for most of you anyway. But yeah, uh, so here is the first half of that conversation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this bonus episode number 13, already, of the Book Horse Pod. I'm Kate, and I'm here with Chris and our very special guest, Holly. Yay! Hi, guys. Um, and we will be talking about fan works today with a particular focus on fan fiction, because... I mean, that's that's all I ever want to talk about, personally. <laughs> it's my passion. I Yes, which is why we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're, this is a little bit of, um, I mean, I've been wanting to do this episode for a while, but it's a little bit of a stopgap because Kristen is still in Denmark and having trouble with the recording so- like software that we use because it, it, it is hateful and does not like Denmark and won't let us talk to each other. So we are doing this even though we are technically in the middle of reading a book. But it's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah, we'll 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 finish Canto Bite. It'll happen. Eventually. It'll happen eventually. Eventually. If Denmark ever lets Kristen go. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> this feels um, like a very bad fairy tale. Like just the entire Nation of Denmark has kidnapped Kristen. She's yes. trapped in a magical forest. She's ha- trapped in Hans Christian Andersen, yeah. like, dystopia thing. Yeah. That'd be a cool book. <laughs> um, that one's free. You can write that. Great, thanks. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, so before we get started, as usual, I'm going to go and ask if any, ever, what everyone's drinking, if y'all are drinking anything. 
Holly, are you drinking anything? Today? I'm having a Coca-Cola from the McDonald's. I actually bought beer because I know that it's you guys' tradition. <laughs> and then I forgot to get the beer out of the fridge. No, so it's fine. If I hadn't forgotten it, I'd be having a Shiner Box seasonal Ooh. Uh, beer, which is from Texas. And I guess in Texas, seasonal beer is peach and pecan flavored. I don't. That's it's delicious. So I don't know that why it's great. holiday, but it's delicious. That sounds fantastic. If not strange, I like that. Yeah, I enjoy that very much. And Holly, for folks in our audience who may not know you as well or follow your excellent Twitter presence, can you give a quick introduction? Uh, sure. So uh, obviously, I'm Holly. I'm on Twitter at Holly E eighty three, um, and I met these guys. Probably through various people that we share friendships with. Yes. <laughs> um, fandom is great like that. I'm sure we'll keep talking about that. It's Twitter is, I mean, it's a hell site, but also it's really great for finding people who share the same weird interests that you share. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about my fandom background in a minute, but um, I, uh, my, my, biggest um fandom thing these days is uh hosting a podcast about the tv show shameless so um you can uh hit me up on twitter if you want to hear more about that yes absolutely we'll let you plug that later because i there there are at least some people i know in the star wars fan who definitely watch that show and should definitely be listening to your podcast so cool there you go christopher what are you drinking? As you take a sip of the thing you're drinking. Yeah, so sorry. I... You just caught me mid-sip. Um, <laughs> I am drinking a glass of eggnog spiked with Appleton Estate rum, which is very good. Eggnog is great. It's one of the best parts of the holiday season. This is not the best eggnog I've ever tasted because we, it, we it's Trader Joe's light eggnog. <laughs> not for any particular reason other than the fact that it was literally the only thing that they had left. Damn. So I look forward to upping my eggnog game a little later in the season, but... It is still getting the job done. I'm jealous just, like, of your Trader Joe's. Yeah, that's, yeah. The, hashtag privilege, am I right? Yeah, yeah. actually, though. <laughs> As you just, like, throw an elbow in the face of our, our Twitter friends, um, Southern Cynic, who fucking hates eggnog. They, so, I mean, I'm an eggnog not my fault she hates fun, I, all I'm saying. I'm, a, I'm an eggnog hater as well. I'm just non-judgmental um, about eggnog. I um I had a bad experience the very first time I ever had eggnog. Somebody gave me some that was expired without realizing no. it, and therefore I can never ever drink eggnog again in my life. Yeah, I respect that. That is that is very understandable. That sounds <laughs> horrible. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, there's good eggnog and there's bad eggnog. Like, there I've had some really really good eggnog. This is like I would say fair to middling eggnog that like <laughs> nostalgia for eggnog makes it good, but like. Eggnog is either good or very, very bad. So, like, I get why people don't like eggnog, but for a lot of them, it's because they haven't had either just haven't had good eggnog or because they've had bad experiences with it in the past. So I get it. It's it's true. I I, I highly recommend actually non-dairy eggnog if you're an eggnog cater because the nuttiness of like soy or almond goes really well with it, and it I feel like it's a little bit less likely to like curdle and do weird things in your fridge. Yeah, it won't. It, <laughs> it, it like won't have that like thick texture that I think freaks people messes out. Messes with some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say this because I'm lactose intolerant, so I can't have real eggnog. <laughs> All right. Um. So 
Shall we shall we dive in? Um, so as soon as you tell us what you're drinking. Oh, fuck me. Sorry. <laughs> That's a little important. I am having... Well, first of all, uh, I took a nap, to everyone's surprise. <laughs> so I am trying to wake up right now. I am, first of all, having um, some Irish breakfast tea that we actually got from Ireland because I think I mentioned on a previous episode, Ireland actually has tea in tea bags that is as strong as I like to have it, which is dark and bitter like my soul. <laughs> so this is Lion Brand, this, which you can find in literally any Tesco in the UK, but like it's it's like the best thing in the world to me right now. Um, and then after that, for my grown-up beverage, I have um, from Half Moon Distilling, they have an apple gin, and what that means is it's distilled with uh, 20% actual apples, so it tastes like apples yummy Yay. yes so that is exciting i have uh, questions about that distilling process but this doesn't seem like the venue for them i mean isn't the isn't gin with flavors just like gin that they i mean isn't the whole point that they just dump a bunch of flavorings in it and let it set yeah like it's like gin is like fancy flavored vodka basically <laughs> Right, no, that part I get, but the distilling with apples, like, does that mean, oh. that, like, when you say 20% of it is apples, do you mean, so, like, the the soaking of the grain stage mm-hmm. is, like, some of the, it, like, there's apples in that? Yeah, I like, think it's in the mash. Interesting. Yeah. The mash, thank you. I was having trouble. Yeah, I think it's... Interesting. Yeah, which, like, basically you have applesauce in your... <laughs> yeah, now, now I want to know, like, the difference between, like... If there's a difference between like putting actual apples in there or just like apple juice or like what the different like are they apple dried apples juice. are they fresh like sliced apples I just want to know more about this process apple. this is completely irrelevant to like what we're talking about even like for me like this is quite a tangent so we can move on they just put, they just they just throw a fucking carton of Minute Maid in there and they and they call it good yeah that's, that's <laughs> yeah basically um, okay now that I've actually I like I said I've like. I just woke up from a nap, so I, who, who knows what's going on with me? Um, we're talking about fan work today, and I'm, again, I'm letting Chris, I'm, I'm letting Chris be our stooge today because, um, <laughs> well, you don't know a whole lot about this sort of. Prefer student to stooge. But this is this podcast, and all we do is make fun of you. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna let you ask all the stupid questions. Um, Yay. Yay. No, but actually, like, dude, I think we should probably start by defining what a fan work is. Yeah, totally. So I want to take this opportunity to, like, describe what I think of as a fan work and then... Oh, no, white man. ...you experts <laughs> to, like, correct me and tell me. Because, like, because like I feel like one of the advantages of having you two on the pod and talking about this versus me is that, like, I am very... I'm very much like kind of like a layman in terms of like my experience with fan works. I don't read a ton of fanfic and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I feel like this is like a good baseline of like getting you got, you all to dumb it down for me, basically. Happy to. Yeah. <laughs> so like my understanding is a fan work is a work of art in some medium. It can be fan fiction. It can be fan art. It can be costuming. It can be... Uh, uh, fan mixes, uh, there's, there's all, it works in basically any different media, but it takes characters or plot from a particular IP and basically, uh, 
uses that baseline to create your own work, to create your own art, whether it's, like I said, fan fiction that comes up with new stories, whether it's art of uh, something that has either happened or something that you'd like to see in the universe. Uh, that's that's my kind of very basic, very uh, basic brain, not galaxy brain definition of a fan work. How accurate would you say I am? I mean, I think I think you hit most of the major points. There probably are some like more edge cases of things that are fan works. Uh, one thing that comes to mind is the huge like genre of music that sprung up around Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. So like original music and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, inspired by um, you know, and probably mentioning things that happened in Harry Potter. Uh, I I can't think of another. IP that has had that but yeah, it, it probably it probably there probably are like people who have written songs about other properties but it hasn't become its own genre the way that um there's a term for it wizard rock so wizard rock yes 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 um so there's like <laughs> enough of it to have its own its own term um i'd also include things like um I'm a knitter and a crocheter and there is a lot of um, a lot of crafting Mm -hmm. that comes out of fan work which kind of goes along with costuming right like you're writing and you may be writing patterns or just reverse engineering things that you've seen in movies or TV or or read about in books um, so that you can wear it or so that you can cosplay using it yeah totally Um, I mean, and I I see all those kids at Barnes and Noble that are just like needle felt, like little Star Wars people, like things like that. Honestly, yeah. And those things are. Um, it's interesting when you think about sort of the the concept of of making money off of these things because those things are usually licensed, right? If you can right. buy it in Barnes and Noble, then Disney had to give its approval. Um, you know, you you're not allowed to sell your fanfic and make money off of it um at least without changing the names mhm etc but there are some some IPs don't seem to be as um zealous in enforcing it cuz you can go to like conventions and stuff and buy things that have cl- like fan art and stuff that hasn't been licensed for sure yeah uh and so we'll talk about somebody ask a question about this or we'll put it in the notes somewhere about um Things like um, fan art not being as um, looked down upon mm-hmm. as things like fanfic where you wouldn't be able... I I wouldn't really be able to get away with printing out fanfics and selling them at a convention. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. could get away with selling like prints of fan art. Right. Um, and it's interesting how that works. Probably because there's so much... Um, law tied up into uh, print like copyright yeah definitely that's definitely true yeah one thing and I I want to remember this point later so Kate can you throw it in the outline a little lower I want to talk about kind of the commoditization of fan works and like the co-opting seems like a strong word but like essentially exactly what Holly's talking about this these IPs that take fan art or take things in pop culture like shipping wars and things like that and make them like harness them for their the actual ip's benefit and to like then profit off of them like 
I know that Lu that's something that Lucasfilm does a lot. So let's definitely talk about that a little a little later. Sure, that's no, that's that is a, that is a good thing. That is yeah. Um, so since we've defined now what a fan work is, um, I wanted to just go around and um, just talk about really quickly um, our backgrounds in um, fan work and like. Chris is Chris. You're always interesting because like there's so many things that like you know are, I don't know, practices that like fans have or like hobbies that they have, but you never really think of them as like fan work. So you know, like we do, Bible first costuming and stuff like that, and that's part of it, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, listeners who. Uh, have either listened for a while or maybe follow us on Twitter or Instagram, know that both Kate and I are in the 501st Legion. Um, I have... I'm in the Rebel Legion, too. Kate's in the Rebel Legion. Because I'm not a slacker. <laughs> yeah, getting myself I'll... double registered. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't care. Rebel Legion, Legion's weird around here. Wow. Um, but so uh, I have a 501st approved uh, Dark Side Anakin costume, which is technically a fan work. And as Kate said, that's not something that I would necessarily think of as a fan work. Like, it seems like a hobby to me. And I and I think we'll get into that in kind of the gendered tone that the that the discussion around fan works has. Yeah, especially uh, with Star Wars has created. Especially with Star Wars and especially with costuming, because like I feel like a lot of dudes are into it for a lot of reasons, which we'll talk about yeah. in a hot second. Yeah, there's 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 something to to dig into there, but that's pretty much my only direct experience with fan works that I can think of is costuming. Do the podcast. <laughs> Does the podcast count as a fan work? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, then shit. <laughs> See? I'm learning so much. Yay. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> um, so aside from the things that Chris has already mentioned um, that we both participate in, um, I uh, write fanfic, um, I've, which is honestly a recent development, which is probably surprising for a lot of people because, because I am a writer, but it's... We, 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 we could probably talk about this at some later date, but it's really hard to play in somebody else's sandbox, honestly. Um, it takes a different, like, mode of your brain or whatever the hell. Um, a lot of you on Twitter <laughs> know me as the person who's always like, what if I wrote more Canara smut? Because there isn't any. <laughs> um, I also, I do fan mixes. I do playlists. Uh, mostly to make myself sad because... That seems fun. Um, and um, way back in the day when LiveJournal was a thing, <laughs> and um, Chris, you were not involved in any kind of fandom when I feel like when LiveJournal was a thing, but Holly will definitely remember. Um, I used to make really bad photo manips, um, those LiveJournal icons, things like that, because I was a garbage high school person. <laughs> um, and probably my first... Um, brush with like fanfic and fan fan works at all was back again back in high school with um, Harry Potter. Um, long live every single Harry Potter shipping war that has ever existed. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! There's part of me that's really sad that I missed it. It was a time. It was mostly entertaining because I was not like super talking to people it's just lurking around and like reading things and absorbing the drama and it was really funny <laughs> i was um so i i was always a shipper like before i knew what shipping was like mm -hmm. my early my earliest memories of like interacting with pop culture was 
loving um, movies like Dirty Dancing, mm-hmm. uh, Pretty Woman. I mean, those yeah. are, I mean, there's, there's all kind of like problems with that, obviously, but like, <laughs> you know, I started on soap operas and stuff when I was, I don't know, six or seven. Again, problems. I turned out <laughs> fine. Yes. <laughs> um, but I was interested in those romantic relationships from a really young age, and but I didn't get into um, sort of the fan work part of it until um, probably like in high school and college was when I started like trading like playlists and stuff with my friends. And I knew that fanfic existed. I just, I guess I didn't know where on the internet to go and get it. There was always like, I've, I've always been a voracious reader. And so I was reading a lot of like romance novels and stuff. Mm. And so I didn't really seek out fan fiction. And there's a correlation there, I think, um, for a lot, for a lot of people. Oh yeah. Um, between fan fiction and romance novels. Um, but then, um, when, when I got, uh, onto Twitter, uh, and stuff in the last decade or so, um, is when I sort of discovered fanfic because, um, I could pinpoint the movie to, uh, X-Men First Class. Yes. That's amazing. Came out and it, I had never, that was the first time I ever left a movie um, going, those two characters should have gotten together and they didn't, and now I have to go find fanfic that, like, satisfies this desire I have to read about it. That's awesome. Um, and then about the same time, probably, that I discovered fanfic, um, I started my first podcast, which, um, covered Supernatural. Yes. Um, which I had gotten into, uh, a friend of mine had gotten me into the show, and then he moved to uh, he moved like halfway across the country to go to grad school and we had been talking about Supernatural for like hours a week in person and he was like let's start a podcast so that we can talk about Supernatural on Skype for hours a week <laughs> and I've basically been doing podcasts ever since about various things um, Supernatural, Vampire Diaries, uh, a short-lived podcast about the hundred um, which I rage quit uh, <laughs> and then for the past, I think we're up to 100 episodes now, I've been doing a podcast about um, Shameless. And so that sort of that's the sort of way that I found to express myself in fandom as a creator, because I, I'm not a writer. I read a ton of fanfic. I don't write it. I, I don't make gifts or anything. I make mm. podcasts. That's that's super cool. I am. Um, I didn't really... I don't, I'm not really, a, I haven't really been a big podcast listener in my life, so I don't think I, like, knew about fan podcasts, like, or specifically thought about them uh, until we started this one. Because, Chris, Chris, you were probably a little bit more active in Star Wars Twitter to start with than I was. I, um, I was the garbage, one of those garbage fire kids who was around at the beginning of, like, Tumblr, so, <laughs> so that's the kind of thing I was, um, engaging in. I saw a Tumblr post go by that was like, if you've been on, if you were on Tumblr before 2012, you're like a dinosaur. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a dinosaur. Oh no, me too. <laughs> I I, oh God. Was Tumblr any different it, back then? Was it like better? I honestly don't, I don't no. remember. Part <laughs> of it is that my, my Tumblr is fine. Yeah. Because I don't follow a ton of people. I don't go into tags where I know there's going to be drama. Mm-hmm. I I use XKit to blacklist things. Mm-hmm. 
So, like, my Tumblr's fine. My Tumblr experience is fine, unless somebody that I do follow starts reblogging nonsense under my dash. <laughs> I'm good. Right. Yes. Which, not looking for, not looking for things you hate is a, is a practice. <laughs> it's like, it's like 75% of the, of the job as a fan sometimes. Yes. Like, just don't go looking for stuff that bugs you. Yes. Which, not enough people understand, I feel like, but... That's a crusade for have, a, Yeah, that's a whole yeah, different I've bonus had, episode. I've had, people, I've had people ask me, you know, how do you deal? And I'm like, I just scroll the tag and look at the pretty pictures. Like, just mm-hmm. don't read the text. I know. I don't, I don't know how to get across to you that all you have to do is not read the text. I know. I know. I just, oh my God. It, it's, it's, it's such a thing. I, I could, I could go on about this for hours about a, a very specific ship in uh, Star Wars right now. <laughs> oh, I feel like we're going to have to get into it. Yeah, I know. We're, we're, yeah. Well, let, let, let's not do it at this moment. I need to be drunker. <laughs> um. So we talked about fanfic and Holly, you got into why you kind of first got into like looking for fanfic and it was kind of a specific desire to see a story that you weren't seeing told on screen. What, kind of zooming out and looking a little more broadly, and I would love to hear both of you respond on this, but what is, in general, appealing about making and consuming fan works for you two? And why is, I feel like fanfic is kind of in its own, like, separate class of fan work, in that, like, it's so prevalent, and so many people know what it is, and it's obviously categorized as a fan work, as opposed to, like, me literally 10 minutes ago being like, does this count as a fan work? Like, <laughs> like I feel like fanfic is in that category. Like, so what about fan works in general is appealing? And what about fanfic specifically is appealing? Because there's no sex in Star Wars and I want it. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. Holly probably has a more uh, I mean, intellectual no, that, response. I mean, that is, you know, that is partially true. And it's also like a stereotype about fan fiction that, Yes. We we take we we take that too seriously. Obviously, there is a lot of sex in fan fiction. Um but it's got this reputation as that of of that's all fanfic is. Yep. Um and it's not really. Um a lot of it does have sex in it. There was a really interesting post going around Tumblr um the other a little while ago. Um and I think like Rainbow Rowell and some other like creators reblogged it. Mhm. Um that was talking about how fanfic isn't trying to take platonic relationships and make them sexual simply because they don't think that platonic relationships work or they're not interested in them. Part of the reason that fanfic so often takes these interesting relationships and puts sex in them is that the people who are reading them are not interested in reading sexual things that don't have any emotional resonance. Yes. And that combining these characters that you already know something about, you probably already care about them in certain ways, putting sex in that is more interesting, it's more emotionally fulfilling than just taking a two strange two characters that you've never heard about before and in 1300 words writing about them having sex. Mm-hmm. Without the, without the emotional underpinning of the characters that you already know, definitely. I mean, I, I, um, I mean, I guess, I guess, I mean, for me, the two things are 
a little bit related, but mostly it's because, um, as Chris knows, um, so I'm part of like probably, um, three fandoms where I actually like go out and like actively look for fic to read, but it's mostly because there are definitely like relationships that I think are not, you know, explored as much as I necessarily want them to be. And which is a lot of the time for storytelling reasons. Like I can't have, for example, an entire series about Canera on TV because that would be really inappropriate <laughs> and really boring to everybody besides like me and a handful of other people. Um, but you can explore those like things um, in a fanfic. You know, there's like a lot, there's um, a lot of fanfic that I read are, um, I guess what you would call missing moments sorts of things, like what's going on, you know, um, when these characters are not on screen in between the episodes and things like that. And it's just really, um, deepening, uh, the relationship between these characters, like showing, um, what, like, there's a lot, of, a lot of the time there's like subtext in canon that is not expanded upon that fanfic can do. And like for, uh, for some people, you know, it's about seeing plot lines uh, that uh, were not, you know, the paths not chosen in canon. Um, but for me, it's really about the relationships. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things that fanfic does for that that fanfic can do is take um, take the journey into like character study, mm-hmm. right? Like. I won't get into the ship that cannot be named yet, but <laughs> yes. part of the reason that that ship I think is interesting to people is because it you can get into the heads of these characters in ways that you can't in a two-hour movie. Absolutely. With, I mean, reading and reading and watching are two very different experiences. Um, and fanfic allows you to get into the heads of these characters, mm-hmm. um, which is almost addicting. Yeah, um, And, you know, not ever. obviously fanfics are not created equal. Some writers are really good at it. Some writers aren't. Um, but yeah, I think it is, it is important to note that a lot of times fanfic allows you sort of to order off the menu and get a plot line resolve the way that you wanted it to be absolutely yeah um but it is like if you really like a character that uh, you know for some reason the show can't get into you know they don't have time or money or the actor doesn't want to be on the show or (laughs) whatever like fanfic doesn't have those restrictions Mm -hmm. so shameless has a good example of this um they have a long-running romantic relationship on the show so it's not the fanfic behind it isn't driven by oh we want these two people to get together because they you know have been together on the show off and on for years and years Mm -hmm. um but you know one of the actors leaves the show for large swaths of the of the show because he goes off and does other things and fanfic allows those fans to get around that right like you watch an episode and you go, man, it would have been great if this character was here, but the actor couldn't be there. Well, fanfic can provide that to you. For sure. Definitely. Um, 
And another another thing, I think once you get in, you may get into fanfic because oh, well, these two care. I want these two characters to make out, and fanfic can give me that when mm-hmm. the show won't give it to me. But fanfic has its own um, appeal once you get into it. Um, if you go on archive of our own, you can find a story that is completely tailored to what you want to read at that moment. Mm-hmm. Bless that website. Like, <laughs> yeah, you can you can say I want to read about this pairing, but I don't want this pairing to be in it, and I want it to be about fake dating. Yes, and you can do a search on that because that's what you're in the mood to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you once you get in the habit of being able to do that. Um, it's not like I don't watch regular TV or movies or read regular books. I do all of those things. Mm-hmm. But when you're in a certain mood, that can be a very um, powerful and, and, you know, like instant gratification feeling. Definitely. To just go and dial up exactly the story that you want to read. Absolutely. And I'm one of those people who really believes that, you know, once you make a piece of art, you know, a movie, a TV show, whatever, and you put it into the world, like, it belongs than not to necessarily the creator so much as it belongs to the fans and the consumers. And so, I don't know, I like I like the idea of people being able to take ownership of that. Like, it means that they care, that they, I mean, you know, you go on AO3 and you see people who have written, like, 300,000 word, like, basically, literally novel-sized fanfics, and it's just like, holy shit, you know? like Yeah, and, and we can't ignore, we can't ignore the component of fanfiction that is, you know, fanfic... From, from, if you take it back to, like, um, I don't know where I put this in the notes, but it's probably a good idea to bring it up. Now you take sort of our modern conception of fanfic back to the 70s um, with Kirk and Spock. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, women getting together in these fan clubs and, and sharing their fanfic across their zines and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, these, fanfic has almost always been the haven for marginalized people whether it be women or gay people or trans people or whatever to find stories about them written by them um in a way that the mainstream media wasn't you know ready to to give them definitely um and obviously it's not some utopia. There's, you know, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's still misogyny and racism and all that stuff in, fan, in fanfic as well. But it was definitely a reaction to the sort of straight white maleness of, uh, of television and movies mm-hmm. um, that the internet then sort of allowed to, to flourish. Yeah, absolutely. If you go back to like the X-Files and yeah. Yeah, sort absolutely. of the, the birth of online fandom. So I want to. Oh, sorry, you were gonna add on to that, Kate. Oh, I was just saying I'm not like, not not an expert on this because I wasn't around back in the day. But I know I know at least like Star Wars has um, probably a similar, but maybe not as. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not gonna put words into onto history that I don't know about. But I know Star Wars had its own, um, you know, history of um, you know mostly women again, like exchanging stories, scenes and stuff, especially when it came to. Luke and Mara Jade fanfic is back in the 90s. There's sure. this, this whole proliferation of ladies, mostly, who wanted to write more about them. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I have one, I have a question kind of getting back to my earlier point and building off of this about how IPs have adapted to the rise of fan works and the availability of fan works on the internet. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you see, you know, obviously fan works used to be, like you said, it started as people exchanging stories through zines, through all these other things. And the the actual IP holders were completely removed from it. Mm-hmm. But now you have, you know, obviously the the uh, franchise with which I am most familiar is obviously Star Wars. You have, you know, the Star Wars Twitter account doing like fan art on Wednesdays. You like sharing, you know, really good fan art. You have obviously cons where it's an entire, you know, small industry of selling fan art. You have... Uh, official channels of Lucasfilm like talking about shipping wars and Raylos in a way that I don't think would have happened in the past. You said it. I know. I know. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm for for you two who have been involved in the community a little while, I'm wondering if you've seen a difference between how fanworks used to be treated versus how fanworks are treated now. Are they more mainstream? Is it like I mean, I think they are, and I think it's because they realized that they could get traffic and make money off of it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and you sort of, I mean, the shipping war stuff, if you look back at, like, HP, I don't think that they leveraged it. Right. As my, I mean, I wasn't really involved in HP fandom back then. I was I was reading the books and I was talking about it with my friends, but I, I didn't really... You know, I sort of, the canon ships were fine. I didn't really care about it. You know, I didn't really care about shipping beyond thinking, oh, well, I like Ron and Hermione. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you go forward to say something like Twilight, mm-hmm. where they really started to leverage, like, shipping wars and stuff. And maybe that's not a fan work, but they're sort of starting to leverage this like fan energy for publicity essentially Mm -hmm. um you know if you if you sort of use that as a marketing tool team edward versus team jacob and then you can get articles written about team edward versus team jacob and this is the way that we're going to help market our film and to get people out to see it and you sort of turn it into like a a contest almost Mm -hmm. you know when it's not really, I mean, Stephanie Meyer is going to write whatever she wants to write, mm-hmm. which is the way that all shipping wars turn out. Yes. <laughs> um, there are no winners in shipping wars, nope. not really, because you know the the writer's going to do what they're going to do. Um, so you start to see that sort of come to the forefront and then when when people know oh well there are these whole groups of fans out here that are in favor of this pairing over that pairing or whatever and then you realize that those people are writing fanfic um it's things like 50 shades of gray being turned and you know being sold um starts to bring this what sort of had been a community that mostly wanted to be left on its own that used to be really worried about being sued yes like all the time all the time i still remember people don't do this anymore but like back in the day when they had like like three page long disclaimers of i don't own this etc etc yeah i mean you do still see it occasionally yeah. when you open up a fanfic you'll see just like a one or two sentence thing yeah. that says you know hey i don't own this so and so owns these characters and there are still writers out there who claim 
that you're not allowed to write fanfic about their yeah characters to be sure um, and rice comes to mind <laughs> yeah there's another there's a romance novelist that i'm particularly thinking of right now because i've been reading her books and there there are situations where i'm like man it'd be nice to have some fanfic about this and she hasn't sued anybody i don't think anybody would get sued but because she's been so public that she doesn't want fanfic written about her stuff there is very little mm-hmm. um which is interesting but um it's it's sort of um fanfic and I, I think it really does go back to twilight in a lot of ways has started to come into the mainstream because people are paying attention to shippers and stuff like vampire diaries Mm-hmm. Um, helped bring that to light too. With the age of Twitter, it was you know frequently a trending topic every time it was on. Those sorts of things. Um, so it, people want to talk about it for traffic on their websites, but there's still not a lot of respect. Yeah. Um, I can't. I can't tell you how many times I've seen somebody tweet a link to some interview where they've gotten an actor to read fanfic. Oh. Oh, yeah. out loud for laughs I'm like don't don't do this don't. I'm a I, I love the fourth wall mm-hmm. I love it I want it to be steel and that sort of stuff right. really really um, bothers me yeah um, but they've you know people have realized that there's a lot of people out there reading and writing this stuff and they can get attention um, by talking about it mm-hmm. definitely um, I wonder how much of this too, like De- Twilight was definitely um, a f- forerunner in terms of um, the IP owners getting involved in fan works, but I wonder too how much, um, you know, in terms of Harry Potter, you know, with the rise of the internet, how much places like leakycauldron.net, which um, got really involved and in, like um, the site owners got really involved in like actually getting no JK Rowling and so they... Mm-hmm. You know, they get a lot of, now they get a lot of Harry Potter scoop first because like, you know, they're sure. kind of, they've kind of become enmeshed really with um, the actual people who are in charge. Um, and, you know, as, as the internet has kind of like proliferated and like more and more people get involved and become aware of these communities where they can come and talk about all these things, like how much that's um, affected um, the way that IP owners view fan works and i'm thinking also about you know um specifically things like um i can't remember her name right now which is terrible but um chris you know there there's that woman on twitter who uh she makes um a lot of star wars like based like recipes and things like that um you know like wookie cookies and mm-hmm. all that stuff and um she does that now in an official capacity for star wars.com right. and like she has a cookbook now that's licensed by lucasfilm um, and I think they've realized that not only can they, you know, just be retweeting and publicizing um, things that already exist, but they can, like, actually tap into these people like, oh, people are interested in this. Um, can we make, like, lots and lots and lots of money off of it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think um, to go back to the question about how um, fan works being, you know, visual fan works and stuff being taken more seriously... Um, you see a lot of commodifying of fan works that are not, you know, sort of, you can welcome those fan works into your, um, IP if they're not infringing on your, what you're originally trying to do. So, Mm -hmm. like, you can't 
just if you're if your fan if your IP is a story, it's a movie or a TV show, then you can't just promote fanfics because you're basically stepping on your own toes, right? Totally. Because fan works generally, I mean fanfics don't generally stick to canon. It's it's a very different experience than a say a media tie-in novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if a fan if if a fanfic writer was just a really good writer and you wanted to hire them to write some media tie-in novels, I don't know, maybe that's happened, but I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do that, but you can't just um, when you're trying to sell a story, you can't just say, "Well, here's some other stories that you can read." Right. <laughs> but you can say, "Hey, while you're watching our movie, enjoy these Wookie cookies." Totally. Yeah. Totally. Or or here's some prints that you can hang in your house. Mm-hmm. That show these characters that you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Um, Chris, did you? I know you wanted to talk about commodifying fan works. Do you have any? While we're here, I don't know if you had any other. No, I think that was it. I okay. like you know just to just seeing if I think Holly really hit the nail on the head of like how things have changed and like what media are mm-hmm. included in that and what are not. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Also, can I just say about like the ubiquitous interviews of like actors reading bad fanfic for laughs? Oh, like, my God. why watch videos of people reading bad fanfic when you could just watch Attack of the Clones again? That's all I'm gonna say. Damn. Yeah, it just it's 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 punching down. It really is. Is what it is. Like it's rude. There's there there's bad fanfic out there, but to just to to go and handpick the bad stuff or the sexual stuff. Yep. To mock it. Mm-hmm it's it's taking like especially when you the person who wrote that loves your story so much I that they wanted to write that yeah even if even if they're not the best writer yeah. they liked your you know they liked your story enough to put that out on the internet they didn't make any money off of it mm-hmm. and you're basically mocking them i know like it's not right. No, and besides, the- I refuse yeah. to. I don't. I don't give those people my traffic. Oh hell no! And like, I, I mean, especially because, you know, speaking as a writer, putting yourself out there is really fucking difficult because you op- again opening yourself up to mockery. Maybe you don't think it's on the scale that some of these people wind up being, unfortunately for them. But also, I mean, a lot of I, I don't. I'll talk more about this later. Uh, but a lot of people use you know playing in um an already established sandbox as a stepping stone to like learn how to write. So. Yeah, a lot, a lot of writers these days, especially romance novelists and YA writers, have written fanfic before. Yeah, or got their start writing fanfic. Yeah, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's, yeah, there's there's a lot less pressure when turning out a thirteen hundred word fanfic as a way to like practice writing dialogue or whatever yeah. than writing a whole novel. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you're you're also putting actors, I think, a lot of times in a really difficult position. Yes. Like maybe they don't feel that they can say no to this. Like right. they showed up to this interview and they're like, here, we're going to have you read these fanfics out loud so we can all laugh at them. And they may not feel like they can say no, but maybe they don't want to mock people either. I don't know. It's, it's very strange. No, it's a, it's a whole thing. It's bleh. It's all yeah. bad. <laughs> Hey, it's Kristen again. Um, so that was part one of Kate, Chris, and Holly discussing fan works. Um, as I said, tune in next week um, for the second half. Um, and usual outro stuff that Chris usually gets to do, and I am bad at. Here we go. Um, 
Huge thanks to Holly for coming on to this episode that we ended up making two episodes. You can find her on Twitter at HollyE83. Um, and she uh, is one of the co-hosts of the Alibi Cast, which is a shameless podcast. Um, I had to write all of this down because you guys know that I don't consume media that isn't Star Wars. Um but like I said, the next episode will be the other half of this discussion. And then the one after that, we should be back on our regular schedule, finally finishing Canto Bite. Um, the ride is, I believe, the next one we're doing. But regardless, it's something like that. Um, you can find us on the places Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, via email at BookWarsPod, those places, BookWarsPod at gmail.com. Um, as always, we ask that you rate, review, and subscribe to us and the Tashi Station Radio Mega Feed. Um, in addition to that, if you're so able, uh, we would love it if you donated to the Tashi Station Radio Patreon. Um, Tashi, Tashi Station helps us out with all of our hosting and all of that good stuff and makes the podcast possible. So um, if you want to throw them a little bit of money, uh, it helps us. It helps them. Um, if you want to give us money directly, you can do so at coffee.com. That's ko.fi.com slash bookwarspod. Um, we will be giving away fun things if you guys are good and decide to donate and rate and review and write nice things about us. Um <laughs> But we will be giving away some swag at Star Wars Comic-Con if we have enough money to do that. Um, and as always, we will be tweeting out and Instagramming the best pictures of official hamster of the pod, Hamlet, um, if you guys do those nice things for us. Uh, our theme song is Whiz Bang by Poddington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joe Butera Design. I know you guys are going to make fun of me for this outro. Um, love you guys. Miss you. Talk to you all soon.